one of my favorite quotes from another math teacher is I uh, sell a product that nobody wants, but everybody is forced to buy. So mm. we're <laughs> wow. as, yeah. as if, uh, if you're doing this, you can just talk about whatever you want to instead of just shouting math at people that they never really wanted to learn. <laughs> All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome. You're listening to the Clarkson Ignite podcast. We're coming to you from the WTSC radio station in the Clarkson Student Center. Hello, everyone. I'm Matt. And I'm Nick. And this podcast is a bi-weekly podcast meant to connect individuals across Clarkson's diverse community and give you, our listeners, interesting and unique content. Ultimately, we hope that you can walk away from our episodes learning something new and value valuable. Valuable. Something that will inspire. This week, we talked to Clarkson's own Professor Chris Martin. He spoke to us about the intricacies of education, uh, telling us how Clarkson is trying to differentiate themselves by getting students to learn differently. Yes, especially surrounding uh, something that is traditionally boring, such as math. He also discussed his want for a um, radio show. He's fascinated. Mm -hmm. And we also discussed... Uh, how one might benefit from scissors if they were a pizza delivery person. So, we hope you enjoy the conversation. We genuinely uh, had a lot of fun, and we hope to have him on again soon. With that, listener mail. The listener mail? Yeah. I think he'd be great at listener mail. Yeah, you'd be right. good at this. So something. this is something... Um, we shouldn't answer this right now, though. Only him. No, yeah. Only and him. Then, right. um, so I, you, you haven't had a chance to listen to any of the episodes yet, right? No. I, I'm okay. sorry to admit that. It's okay. it's okay. It's okay. We're not hurt. They're not good. <laughs> All right. I, we, um, is, I, the only thing I know about podcasting is don't we have to do like a live read for Squarespace or Stamps.com? No, 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 no. Nothing like That's that. just Joe Rogan. Okay. Yeah, no, we don't. Read. You can do one if you want. I no, mean, I don't. we could I we could promo <laughs> someone. We need to get more listeners before we have ads. We're thinking about <laughs> promoing a coffee, the coffee shop on campus. Yeah, Mojo, they'll pay you. No, we got to see. I have to find the. I have to find it. So okay, so I'm just gonna let them know what. So we do a listener mail question for every episode, and it's basically just this random question um, that has no right answer, and we uh, debate it. I feel like we should do it all three of us because it's weird when someone just gives their answer and we don't fight back. And I don't know what we're doing. You have it picked out. This is intimidating because I'll. So, like for after example, after we leave here, like late tonight, I'll be. You'll be in thinking bed about it. And and I should have like, picked no, this, this answer. This is what I should have said. Yep, hundred percent. Totally wrong about that. So, like for That's example, right. in the past, just to give you an idea of what type of questions we asked, uh, what is your spirit cheese? So, if oh. you, if a cheese could describe you, what would it be? Oh, um, that's a favorite. We've that's, also uh, had extra why sharp cheddar. It's, See, cheddar's a popular one. one. Why? Extra, I'm, a, I'm a cheddar too. Extra, extra, extra sharp though. So why? why is that? Just, just a, I don't know, strong, bitter flavor. <laughs> <laughs> acquired taste. It's an acquired taste. That's more like. <laughs> That's what you are an acquired yeah. taste. Really, really bad for you. Just an artery <laughs> clogging. That sounds yeah. Um, and then we did. Why do triangularly cut sandwiches taste better than square cut sandwiches? I think isn't there a real answer to that question? I mean, I said dipability. Oh, if no. it's like grilled cheese, 
I said, ready? It's about the aliens. The aliens know that triangulars are the most, you know. Triangulars? Triangles. <laughs> triangulars. <laughs> I never passed geometry. Uh, they're like the, the best shape. So uh, the strongest it's, just, shape. it's the strongest shape, strongest flavor. That's what he said. I th- well, I, I think it's a surface area. I think there's a math solution uh, to that. I think okay. it's because the first bite of a slice of pizza is the best bite, and it True. has something to do with the the the. Um, this is fun. Yeah, right? <laughs> is it? Uh, we should just <laughs> ask him like every single listener mail question that we've had so far. Oh yeah, how many chickens does it take to kill an elephant? That was another one. Um, uh, well, just one if he chokes on it, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just don't think elephants eat chickens. Well, no, he's not. It, it's just it's an accident. He accidentally choked yeah, on it. Yeah, people don't mean flew. to choke on caps of uh, pens, but they do. They do. Yeah, yeah, that's why they put little they put holes in the caps of pens so people kept people kept swallowing them. Not this I've kind never of heard that before. No, like the big pens, like the, the big really pens? skinny ones with the cap. Yeah. They put holes in the top so people can breathe when they choke on them. What? That sounds like an urban legend like, to me. When that they choke like on them, like they were so guaranteed that I people think, were going to do that. Does, is that really does that really happen? I, that sounds like one of your alien Google aliens decided make, to make, make a triangle. Lot of <laughs> 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 All right, we have a question. Okay, this week's one. Um, we have to actually decide. <laughs> Why? All right. So, so if you were a pi- yeah, yeah. If you were a pizza delivery man, how would you benefit from scissors? I'm assuming benefit in a way that people that are not pizza delivery men benefit from scissors. Is that, is that I mean, like, how how would scissors apply to your job as a pizza delivery man? How would how would they how would they prove uh, to be a utility? Uh, this is a stupid question. <laughs> Why is it stupid? Because I don't a, know the answer. It needs a creative answer. <laughs> it's not does. a real. There's no real answer. Yeah, there's, oh, there's, there's no, no real practice answer. test to this question. Oh, there's no real answer. All right. Um, you got to build the floating bridge. Yep. Uh, um, I don't, self-defense, I guess. If, that if, was one of the answers yeah. was provided last night for um, self-defense. I know the correct answer. Oh, actually. yeah? The answer is he's very confident, when people but he's never right. tip bad. You use that. <laughs> Intimidate yeah. them. Either that or you use the scissors to cut your root shorter so the food gets there quicker. It just doesn't make sense, I know. Okay. It um, is I'm actually glad. true that scissors are a much better tool for cutting your pizza. That I've heard. Than a pizza wheel. I've it, had. It, I've it, heard it, that it before. It is actually true. But uh, I'm not sure I want my pizza delivery man with his hands all over my pizza with like scissors a, yeah yeah I don't th- I don't like know. have those scissors been sterilized i feel like that shouldn't be his job to like cut probably the it's probably like rusty enough. scissors yeah. too. he's doing enough just getting it to your house they're really cheesy like, too yeah. <laughs> it's probably dangerous driving with scissors also probably um the favorite the most like realistic one someone who was a pizza delivery uh this is a pizza delivery woman she said that she used to tie like when she had a big delivery she would tie all the bags together with string and then just cut the string with scissors oh. quickly. But that's that's like a trade thing. Yeah, like I mean, but like that. she was a pizza delivery woman and she benefited from scissors in that way. So wow. good wow. for her. Yeah. Wow. So people, send us an email. How have you benefited from me? <laughs> from scissors <laughs> as uh, a pizza delivery uh, man or woman. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Today we have Professor Chris Martin. 
You're thinking about starting a radio show now that you walked in here, huh? I know. It's awesome in here because this looks like a lot of fun. I've never done anything like this, but there's all this this uh, technology and microphone and headphones. It seems like it would be an awesome job. Yeah, you can you basically see, do whatever you want. You, all of these people that make a living just talking at other people, I get it now. It seems yeah. like it would be like... Well, that's kind of your living, isn't it? You just talk at other people. That's true, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> one of my uh, one of my favorite quotes from another math teacher is I uh, sell a product that nobody wants but everybody is forced to buy. So mm. we're as <laughs> wow. yeah. if uh, if you're doing this, you can just talk about whatever you want to instead That's of fair. just shouting math at people that they never really wanted to learn in the first place. <laughs> my my favorite part about this room is it it's equal parts 1970s and like 2019. Yeah. Like you look in one area and you're like, well, that hasn't changed in 40 years. And then you look somewhere else and you say, hmm, there's like new. four flat screen TVs on the wall. Yeah. And strobe lights all over the world. Well, few industries in the world have been affected more by the rapid expanse of digital technology than music and radio. Right? Yeah. So it's nothing as trans, well, maybe not nothing, but I can't think of things that have transformed more in my lifetime. Mm hmm than music. music and radio. That's There's, probably fair. And yeah. I think you guys probably were born more into what it's like now. But mm. Britney Spears, Usher, those yeah. were the big the big players. But when I was, was born, born right into the beginning of iTunes. Mm. The way that you made it, like it used to be like this massive investment of space and yeah. magnetic tape and, and instruments. And, and so in order to even get recorded, those Hundreds of people were of all just vetted to the extreme and then these big companies invested them now you need a laptop and you can make the same quality recording in your own living room and so it's in some ways i guess it's better but um now it's just I don't know, it's just completely different where it first went downhill the first big one that i think led to the demise was uh that song friday by that girl <laughs> you remember that song yes. <laughs> it was on youtube her name's rebecca black yes i actually have a friend whose cousin's name is rebecca black <laughs> Do you remember Not that? the same one, though, right? I don't know if it's just such a... St I, I, well, I was at the Clarkson hockey game, and uh, um, the shark song came on. Yeah, yes. shark, and baby the, shark. And, <laughs> and it made me want to take my own life. And, uh, <laughs> and, but everybody went nuts, and I was just like, well, what it, on earth? But my kid's is nine. He knew all about it. Yeah. I was just like, that is... Wow, that's something. Well, yeah. for me, that was a song that was only ever done at summer camp. So I've like, never even heard until really? this year. Really? Oh, yeah. Until I this did year. YMCA summer camp all the time. That's like what, when I was like five, six, seven. So I was very shocked when it made a comeback. What's the like point? Like four months. It's just a thing that we used to do it in the, in the morning. So it was at the day camp that I went to. You'd show up. Everyone would show up from different parts of the state. And you'd get there. And there would be like all like 400 campers in a gigantic circle in the big field. And they'd just do like mini morning games to get people like awake because they were shoved on a bus at 7 a.m. by their mom who had to go to work. And so one of the things was uh, Baby Shark. Well, I, there's a million of these things, right? There's a million of wheels, them, yeah. Wheels on the bus and mm -hmm. all these other things. But like, why is it's ironic, I guess, that it's, I don't know. I think our entire generation is regressing due to stress and anxiety. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> they're they're going all, back in time. We're like, we need to go back. <laughs> Too much stress? Yeah. You think that's, oh, I don't know. I think so. <laughs> I already had the humor of a 14-year-old, so. Oh, good. Well, don't lose it. <laughs> you think it's 14? Yeah. I would shoot more for, like, 9. I was going to say 12. It's a little adult. <laughs> but I think you want to hang on to it. I don't think you ever want to lose it. No. 
because then then you're too serious. Yeah. I think I went too serious and then came back. Oh wow. Recently. 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 Freshman year, I was way too serious with myself. Yeah. So. Last year, we loosened you up. That was what it was. That that's exactly what happened. I was like, <laughs> okay, this is this is getting too real. I need to be a kid again. All right. All right. To start with it. Yeah. So, how did you? You're well known um, as uh, a math professor that um, likes to kind of be real with students. I think that's probably the best way to put it. Um, people know you because you don't really hide behind what you're thinking. You know, like if someone's late to class, you have no problem calling them out on it, which I think is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you kind of get into being a professor and being who you are as a professor today? Um, uh, that's a, there's a long answer to that question. It's a pretty well, give long it to me. road. Um, I, I actually, this is my second time coming to Clarkson. I actually graduated from here and I'm going to say the nineties. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, and I graduated with a civil engineering degree. I was never a, a teacher. I worked as an engineer, practicing engineer for a lot of years. I've had a lot of odd and fascinating and interesting jobs all over the country. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, sometime around 2000, 10 2011 um we moved up here my wife took an academic job which by the way is the get for your prod for your podcast is yeah michelle mm. crimmy that's who you should call next mm. um but anyway uh <laughs> if she's ever around but um, yeah she's too busy uh <laughs> but, part of the problem uh and so we came back here i got a consulting job with a, a major global consulting company that had an office in messina new york and that I was going to be the lead geo-environmental engineer for the Alcoa expansion up there, uh, which is a bunch of details that aren't interesting. But um, within a month of me taking that job, the bottom fell out of the market. That was a crash of 2010, 2011, oh, or whatever. Okay. So the price of aluminum plummeted, and this small satellite office of this huge company, they're, they they used to say 95% of our work from is Alcoa, but I don't know where the other five ever was. So... Um, and one of the things that Alcoa kind of stopped doing was anything that was not just of critical, uh, from an environmental standpoint, that stuff that wasn't critical or legislative, they just stopped. They were slashing costs everywhere. So, so the, the, the company to their credit, I guess they worked hard to keep me busy, but that meant sending me on the road. I was traveling to do, uh, consulting or environmental work or remediation work all over the country and they never build... Um, they never build oil refineries like in Maui or whatever. It's always <laughs> it's always this horrible places. But then, um, at the same time, my wife is starting a new tenure track academic position here at Clarkson, and then we had a three year old, and then my second son was born. So we had a three year old and an infant, and I was in Gary, Indiana, and uh, my wife. <laughs> says you know we can I'd rather be poor than me doing this this is not this is not really what we signed up for so I went back to school I went to SUNY Potsdam and my goal was going to be to be a high school math teacher that was going to be I went back to get my what's called my MST so I don't have a PhD in engineering which is unusual for somebody that works here but I also have specific training in the field of teaching which is also believe it or not a little bit unusual most <laughs> most of you sometimes you can tell <laughs> most uh, <laughs> most of your professors are super super smart in whatever it is is their specific field that the idea that they would be 
really good at something else, anything else, is really unusual. And some of them really are really good at it. But um, uh, anyway, so anyway, I, I got my master's from SUNY Potsdam uh, to teach, and I graduated off cycle, which means I graduated December instead mm-hmm. of the summer, and it's hard to get a job at a high school unless somebody's going on leave or something. It's hard to get a job. So I um, had a phone interview to do one semester of Calc 2 here. And then, um, and actually didn't get it. <laughs> um, I didn't get it. And then uh, the pe- the guy that inter- interviewed me, he called me back like a week later and said, are you still available? And, and I think rather than pride kicking in and saying, well, you didn't want me the first time, <laughs> I was like, well, I'd also like to pay my mortgage. So I, uh, I jumped at that. It was going to be perfect. It would give me a semester of a paycheck and then the chance to look for other jobs. But as it turns out, I've been here ever since. So... Um, they have been going year to year ever since that semester. I think that was 2012 or it would have been spring 13. I don't remember, but mm-hmm. I don't know, six, eight, whatever. Years long ago. time. Yeah. It seems like a long time now. <laughs> so, um, did it feel like a natural fit once you got here and got into this? Like, how was that first semester for you? Was it a weird transition going from? working in industry to, to being a teacher, or was it? It was terribly intimidating. It, okay. it was really hard for a lot of reasons, but um, <laughs> one of them was is that I hadn't looked in a math book in over 20 years. Like, I was 20 years removed from the stuff I was supposed mm-hmm. to teach, so it was my job to relearn all that stuff. And then, um, not that you won't use calculus in your work, kids. You lose every day. But I... Um, but I had to relearn all that stuff, and I had to relearn it in advance, and then be able to sort of uh, regurgitate that back. I had a ton of help from a guy named Kelly Black and um, a few other people that, that worked here at the time, and a lot of support from people, Mike Felland, and, um, that really helped me out a lot through that first semester. And then, um, yeah, it was, it was really fun. Like, it was just... Um, an awesome experience mm-hmm. it was just it's, it was so much fun and then uh yeah when they asked me to come back i was thrilled yeah but as far as it being natural i don't i, I think that um it, it's sort of the inverse of that i think you have to i think what people respond to is when you are yourself i, I think if you you have to sort of be natural when you're doing it and be yourself i think kids of any age are good at seeing a fraud. I think mm-hmm. they're good at seeing a show yeah. um, and seeing through all that stuff. So it wasn't so much that, oh, it's this teaching thing comes natural. I think it's just me trying to, trying to be myself and, and deliver the stuff yeah. um, that, that resonates. It's not with everybody. I'm not everybody's favorite, for sure. Yeah. It's not, everybody, not everybody's cup of tea, I guess. But... Um, the other thing I think that helped me is how much fun I thought it was. Like, I think if you're enjoying what you're doing, that a lot of times I think that can kind of resonate or it permeates with how you do it. Yeah. How do you think you and the other professors took, I mean, calculus is kind of a dry subject sometimes. How do you right. think you guys took it and made it more interesting and more engaging for the students? So, um, I don't know that we do. <laughs> I don't know. I felt it, pretty engaged it, compared it to high school. Is, it is what it is. But I think that um, the challenge of working at a place like this and uh, working 
and teaching this particular subject at this particular time in the world is is you ha- I think to keep in the back of your mind is what is it we're trying to do with Clarkson students? What are we what are we preparing them for? What what are they going to do when they leave here? And um, and what are the kind of skills that make them marketable? That make them successful? And being able to do a lot of the mechanics of the math stuff is not that thing. Mm-hmm. It's it's relevant to courses they'll take after, and so some of that's necessary. But but the skills that they need is not to be able to differentiate and integrate functions. That's not that's yeah. not as the useful thing as much as trying to teach people how to think and how to be critical thinkers or have a sort of a structure to the way that they think and and the way that they solve problems. And so I think that translates to sort of your question of well what how do we make the students value what we're trying to do is I think you have to try to communicate what it is that you're doing and and how it will be useful to them down the road mm-hmm. they may not believe you but yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, um, I, that's at least I think what we try to do I will say it is pretty interesting how you know going through freshman year calculus and saying just that I'm never going to use this and then it really comes back to bite you once you get to you know those engineering classes where you actually do use it and you need to actually know those things that you said were never going to be used again yeah and 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 it's tough because the 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 tools that engineers and scientists have at their disposal now are so different than they were 20 years ago 30 years ago even 10 years ago and so the from one perspective this idea of understanding something conceptually rather than being able to sort of manipulate stuff around has never been more important but on the other hand it does make you sort of question well why do if it's a slippery slope Mm. to look at your curriculum and be like oh my god do we really need to be teaching them this you have to try to pull back and okay what what are the things that they need and and what how is this particular framework whether it's math or physics or chemistry or whatever help them develop those skills Mm -hmm. i feel like you have that problem a lot with a class that's abstract it's kind of like differential equations we talked about that yesterday where it's hard to see that class and it's hard to think critically in that class but you have to somehow engage the students to do yeah that. i was i was telling you yesterday like that class i looked at i actually thought about auditing that class because i was thinking it would be one i would want to teach and when i was going through the curriculum and stuff i was just like man how did i i know i got an a in this class like yeah. time ago, but i don't remember any of this and uh and how at least the textbook it just seemed like uh, this isn't this is such an important topic. Like, it's such a powerful, useful tool. Like, mm-hmm. differential equations is modeling anything that has multiple variables. It's just a- applicable to just so many things in life. And the way that we have to learn that in a math class is just there's no connection between what you're doing in that class and and um, and how it's used. Because I think the use of it is so complicated and it's hard to explain but i think the use we use computers now in such a way that it masks the math mm-hmm. that's underneath it and and uh you know well if the, somebody already made the software tool then then maybe i don't need to learn differential equations anymore but the, the truth is, is if you understand how that stuff works you're much better at using the tool so yeah um uh yeah, I think it's helpful and useful for anybody teaching anything to to sort of step back and be like, okay, what what's the bigger picture mm-hmm. and, and what adds value to to what people can do? Yeah, that's yeah, that's a different way to put it. Putting it different tools, you're building up the tools in someone's toolbox. Yeah, as an engineer, 
And I feel like that applies a lot to uh, the Ignite initiative right now, a lot teaching the kids how to use what they've learned in the class and actually apply it to what they're doing. Yeah, I, I, um, I was thinking about just today just because like 45 minutes ago this thing happened to me, and this mm. happens all the time. As a student came up to me, and because I'm giving an exam on Monday, um, and uh, the students always ask, can you give me a practice exam? To, can you give me a practice exam? I want to I practice before the exam, which is totally normal, uh, a totally reasonable request. Um, it's, but it's so wrong. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and the reason is that um, the, the job market for solving problems that have already been solved is just dwindling at an exponential rate. <laughs> like it, it's just not what we – anything that can be automated is automated. And so um, – it's just the wrong approach. It's totally a fair question. It reflects like totally how we teach kids before they come to college. Like mm-hmm. we're going to have a standardized test that determines school funding or whatever. And so we're going to make you practice this stuff over and over again so you can regurgitate it. And uh, I understand why students are the way they are. They just want to do well. And so I, I don't fault this these students for ask, making this request. But it is definitely a really good indicator of what we're up against and, and – and what it is that we're trying to, to sort of break from students. And as an institution, it's hard to know, like, all right, so how do we, all right, now we know what we want to do. How do we do it? Yeah. And, uh, and it's open-ended problems. It's student-centered work. It's all, you know, it's all these things where the students come up with solutions to problems first and then try to reverse engineer, go, okay, now what do I have to learn <laughs> to do that thing I want to do? And it's just such a, it's such a more useful skill. You know, there's a, a thing I heard on the radio like the, a day or two ago, but like if you, there's an engineering firm, I think in Europe, that's trying to mm. build a, the floating tunnel in Norway. And it's, uh, it, if you kind of imagine Norway, it's just <laughs> basically this vertical jagged landscape with yeah. a bunch of fjords and stuff. And uh, it takes 21 hours to go to the store. So, <laughs> uh, or you, and you got to take six ferries. Yeah. And so what somebody wants to do is build this tunnel that floats because some of these fjords are they're almost a mile deep. So you can't just, you can't build a bridge yeah. and you can't, uh, there's all these limitations. And, and it's just this awesome engineering problem like this thing to try to solve and it's a really cool project and if you need a practice exam (laughs) right that's not the skill that gets to do that like Mm. you have to um there's no odd answers in the back of the book for floating tunnels in norway yeah and so you you're the skill that you need is this sort of patience and creativity to mm-hmm. approach a project and that's not been done. And that's the that's where I think a place like this hopefully can add some value. It's easier to identify the problem than it is to solve it, but um, you know, I think things like the President's Challenge and Ignite is is definitely like it's on its way to um, it's it, it's recognizes the opportunity for what it is. And, and tries to foster those skills in students. And I think, I think the main thing that's different between those two things is at least with trying to build the floating tunnel, you get a couple of chances to test it like in scale before you actually build it. Whereas with a test, you got one shot. And I think that might be – that's the big difference. 
Well, I think it's more kids are focusing on the results. Well, and that's because that's, that's my what point. we've been we've been trained to do instead of the actual discovering the answer. Exactly, discovering the answer is the real important part. We're supposed to learn. What yeah, you- and this, this sort of gets into the sort of starts to unravel this idea of grades. What are grades? Yeah, exactly. What are they for? And and, and what does a grade tell you when you graduate from school? And and that's a probably a totally different <laughs> podcast. You know, I used to say in class that if if your company Right, if you're a senior and you're interviewing for jobs after college and they want a minimum GPA before they talk to you, does that sound like a company you want to work for? And uh, no. and and I, that's easy for me to say because I got a job. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so uh, if that's the reality of the world we're living in, then students have to navigate that. That's whether it's fair or not. It's maybe not the thing. You know, um, I think that uh, you ought to be able. to uh, failing is such an important part of life, whether you're whether it's professionally or otherwise. And you ought to be able to come to college and fail at things, and not have it have the sort of thing that hangs over you and uh, permanent consequences. Yeah, and and there's you know there's financial aid considerations. There's all these you know in your future job market, and there's all these things that tie into that. And it'd be nice if we could revisit that idea, but mm. uh, that's now we're now we're yeah. now we're really getting up. <laughs> now the wheels are coming up, but. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it's easy for me to sit back and say, well, the grade isn't the thing that matters. It's this other stuff. And the student's like, well, that's easy for you to say. <laughs> it's definitely, it's a weird balance because, you know, that's that's the conversation or the, the talking point that we get, you know, we're told all the time is it's okay to fail, but is it actually? Is it yeah. really? Is it actually? Yeah. Like, it's like, where, like, what where am I, I supposed to fail? Yeah, I, I know, like, for personal growth reasons, it's good to fail, but... How does that help me with actually making sure that I can get to a point where, you know, personal failures are easy to overcome? Yeah. And yeah. now I have to be in a job interview and yeah. explain somebody what that C in calculus means. Yeah. And, and, um, yeah, I don't know. There's no easy answers to that. I don't, I don't know. I, yeah, it's a challenge because when, um, it's nice, it's really easy for me to be, cold-blooded when it comes to grades because the course is so objective mm-hmm. you know yeah. um, there's not a lot of subjectivity I don't teach you know uh, in the humanities when you're grading people's papers I don't know how they manage to to measure students that's got to be that would to me would be a super difficult aspect of that job and whereas for me it's it's like well it doesn't mean that you're not smart it doesn't mean that you're not a good person it doesn't mean that you worked hard there's kids in my classes that don't work at all and get a's and there's kids in my class that absolutely work every waking minute of every day and they get a c and which grade is worth more mm-hmm. you know in the long run i there's no question to me is you want the kid that works hard it's, it's the work ethic that you want um but that's the reality of what we do here is is and the reality of the world, frankly, is yeah. that you measure performance, you don't measure effort. And um, for a lot of students, this is the first place where that's true. I think you know, I, I watch my kids go through elementary school, and there's a lot of measuring of effort instead of aptitude or performance. And for probably for a lot of students, it's jarring to come here and be like, "Wow, it didn't matter that I worked so hard." I didn't get the grades I'm used to getting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there, people are too busy to notice the behind-the-scenes stuff, yeah. or, or they don't know how to qualify it well, or quantify it. I know a lot of students come here, and they get into their freshman chemistry class or their freshman math class, and they're just like, 
Oh my god, I actually have to do something right now. <laughs> I don't have to just the yeah. night before <laughs> yeah. look into yeah, the there's book. That. Yep. There's that. And then uh, the other big piece of that is you're in a room with 150 other kids and it's just like there's no there's no way to differentiate. You know, my first semester here somebody wrote on their test uh their first name. You know, they didn't write their last name on their test. And this kid probably graduated with 30 other kids. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and he knew his teachers from the time he was born. And and that was a big, you know, shock to him to be like, for, to, to have the opportunity to pull him aside and like, hey, you're not in Kansas anymore. You, this is not how this works, you know. I, so, um, yeah, it's definitely an adjustment. It's one of the things that makes my job so fun, frankly, is mm-hmm. that it's, it's, it's almost exclusively working with freshmen, and it's, a lot of it is about learning how to college more than it is learning how to math, which yeah. makes the job uh, way more fun, way more fun. The students here are fun. This is a great place to work, even though – yeah. There's always stuff to complain about. Even it's though sometimes great... it's not sunny. <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> Even though it's raining ice today. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you just said something about um, teaching how to college more than teaching how to math. How do you – how so? Yeah. What are some of what like the that? most important or obscure things that you have actually had to tell some kids? I had a um, – uh, that your point about I've never had to work hard before is a conversation that I've had a lot. <laughs> and, um, the uh, one there's several conversations I have a lot every semester. Um, one is that this is this is a you've picked a good class to fail, um, and because uh, what I teach is cumulative math is you know you learn something and then you build on that thing that's how it started in kindergarten and it continues through and so it's not like you can get a bad grade in a math class and just go on to the next one so to tell kids that you know here's what you have to do you have to drop this class you have to take it again and then if you want to get caught up you can take another one in the summer you can take it here you can take it somewhere that's a and people are just like wow it's not that's not the usual conversation usually it's it's no do more try harder and um no, you just have to take another. You just have to take another swing at it. That's yeah. all. Um, another conversation I just had earlier today is um, is the trick to college. Um, this is going to sound a lot like eat your vegetables, but the trick to college, <laughs> the trick to here's the secret to college. Um, everybody uh, is that you have to do it a little bit every day. So you go to class, you learn something new, you go back and you carve out an hour or two or three, maybe sometimes it's 15 minutes, sometimes it's three hours, and you sit on your own and you work through whatever that is. And you study that and you do that every single day. And then you are able to retain the stuff that you have learned. We are ready for exam. It takes you a fraction of the time to prepare for your exams. When final exam time comes around, it takes you almost no time at all to prepare for exams because you're flipping through your stuff and you remember it all. And what 99% of students do, especially freshmen, is they they do college the way a snake eats, and that is that they fast all at once mm-hmm. on the material for three and a half weeks, and then they stay up all night the night before the exam and try to gorge on all that stuff 
the night before the test. And that's really effective um, for a lot of students. A lot of students are able to be successful doing it that way. And where we are frustrated is now when you take a class next year or the year after, you have to apply that stuff you've already learned. It's you don't gone. remember any yeah, of it. You don't remember gone. any yeah, of short it. Term and memory. Uh, uh, go and talk to my colleague about advanced engineering mathematics. He's absolutely beside himself with with what it is the kids don't know. And it's not their fault. Like they they did learn all that stuff. They got there. They're they're upperclassmen engineering students. They knew all that stuff. They performed well. They just don't remember it. And it's it's not like they don't want to remember it. They just don't. Um, the the efficient way to do college. And by the way, for the record, this I was not <laughs> this kind of student. I was not a good student. I had to learn, you know, this the hard way is to, is to be have a work ethic where you work at it every day. Mm-hmm. And those are the kinds of things that I'm, that I think calculus and physics and chemistry, this grind that we put you through as a freshman, is that's the method, I think, to the madness, is to try to train you to, to treat it like it's a job and do it every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that's definitely true. Like for me, it's taken, I know from my experiences across any you know, being an E&M, it gives me a unique opportunity to do engineering classes, math classes, business classes, and in every type of class, I've needed to take at least two classes that have any given content before I actually like know that thing right. and can repeat it later on down the line when I, when I want to. Like for engineering economics specifically, I remember like in the class, I knew it well enough to do decent on the exam, then forgot it. Then I came up in another class and I did, I knew it more than... And then when it came to the third class where I used it, then I didn't even have to study for it because I, I had it in my brain. Yeah, I, th- I think that, and that's a you that's a super useful skill that you use in life is you're not going to remember all of the stuff that you learned here. That's insane. But if you know how to learn, if you know where the information is, and you know how to teach yourself stuff, then that's the, that's what makes you an engineer. That's what makes you a scientist, and and it's what differentiates you. I think, and so as long as you can go get it and know where to find it, you'll be fine. But um, it's the discipline, I think, that, that you, one of the things that – I don't remember the question. But <laughs> so yeah. it's, it's, uh, what, uh, it's definitely something that we're trying to build. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that's it. Thanks so that's much. It. Thank you. All right. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, everyone, that is all we have for you this week. We hope you enjoyed the conversation. Uh, And once again, please, please, please let us know what you think. And, um, you know, we hope to please. We aim to please. Yeah. Email us at ignitepodcast at clarkson.edu. Thank you very much. Again, I am Matt. And I am Nick. Goodbye. (laughs) 